Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today, we have on the show Brayden Drake. He's your gay best friend who also just happens to be an attorney and tax bro. But we aren't talking about dry legal garbage today that you absolutely need, though. So go listen to Braden's podcast for all of that. Today, we're talking about systems and creating SOPs and processes that work for how you want to work in your business. So we all kind of collectively, it's like a roundtable conversation today about how our own personalities impact the way that we organize our to-dos, organize our standard operating procedures, and how you can create stuff that you actually utilize in your business instead of just it being a giant waste of time. We also talk about profit first and how this all kind of ties into being like legal for taxes and growing your business and being legit and everything in between. So take some notes and dive into this episode. Hey, Braden, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you back on and talk about something that's a little bit different. Like, obviously, you're a lawyer and we're going to figure out how to, like, bring in the lawyer shit, legal shit. But I do think from the standpoint of just running a business, you have a lot of insight into what it feels like to be overwhelmed and be a little chaotic and also try to identify systems that can help you streamline your business. And I know as of late, it has been a major focus of ours internally. We are every day attempting to be better and create systems that are something that we can come back to rather than a one-off, just do it and be done and never think about it again. So I'm excited to hear your take on all of this. Yeah, so I'm sure you both have been in the place where you spend like three hours creating a really beautiful SOP that like never sees the light of day again. So like, that's what we want to try to avoid, right? Standard operating procedure, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. But like one of my personal mantras that I've created, and I tell my students all the time, is that your systems are only as good as your ability to manage those systems, right? So my like personal thing that I like to do to procrastinate is I like to create really, really complex systems, whether that's like 
workflows in a CRM and Dubsado or really, really complex like projects in Trello. I create them, but then I don't really have the ability to manage them on a day-to-day basis. So it just creates like a mess in the back of the business. And we don't want to do that. No, we absolutely don't. (laughs) We absolutely don't. So I think about like three things to consider when we're going to talk about systems. And of course, we're going to tie this into legal and tax systems as well. But we're going to start with, you know, some more relatable topics. So the first thing I like to consider is whether you're a visionary or integrator type. So like Abby and Emily, do you both? I think I know like which ones you fall into, but. Well, here's the thing. It might surprise you. Here's the thing. I actually think it's all a little bit garbage. Like, and I'm, I know you're here to not, you're here to not say that. I know you're here to say that like you likely fall into one of those roles and maybe that's true to a degree, but I just, this soapbox for a second and then I'll let you actually make your point is I think (laughs) that a lot of entrepreneurs got into the business because they relate to both. And while they likely shine in one area more than the other, I think the best CEOs can do both and understand both. And they eventually hire people to do some of the tasks that are more in the integrator role. But to answer your question, sure, Emily is like obviously a bit more of a big thinker and I'm a bit more granular and detail oriented. But that's not to say Emily cannot spot an issue that's super small and specific. And that's not to say I can't think big and have a vision for the future. But there's two of us. And the way we offer the way we operate our business is quite a bit different than I think most solar I hate the word solopreneurs. The most <laughs> way entrepreneurs might if there's only one person at the top of their business. Yeah. I, so for me, I'm with you, right? So I don't think that we all fit into like one of these two boxes. I think it's a sliding scale, right? So if anyone's like read the book Traction, he has you take, I don't know, it's like a 50 question like assessment and you score where you fall on like the visionary spectrum and the integrator spectrum. And so I think some people can be 50-50. Some people are like really dominant with one. What I found for me is that I am really a visionary, but I can be really execution oriented if it's a task that I'm personally very interested in. Yeah. Interest level makes a huge impact. Yes. I, but I think that's the big difference is a lot of integrators, they just like to get shit done. Whereas I'm like, if I'm not interested in this, like it's probably not happening. I don't have, I have zero desire. Well, and I think yeah. that's the thing is I am the kind of person that requires the motivation and interest. And so I could be all about something for a while and get super hyper-focused and then just not care about it one day. <laughs> it's dead to me. So, well, um, what's, what's an example of that in your business? Oh, everything. <laughs> Everything's an example of that in my business. I think uh, a big example has been more on the like operations and management side. There are certain periods of our time where I'm like, mm, good is good enough. Who, However the team kind of figures it out, we'll we always figure it out. So I don't need to manage this as much as I probably could or should. But then 
I've gotten so far removed from it at some points where I'm like, what the freak is happening behind the scenes? <laughs> so then she spends like three hours watching an Asana training and then re-implements entire systems and then wants to host team meetings to like, this is how we're now doing it. I'm like, when did you sleep last night? The answer is no. I relate to that because I'll create an Asana project and then like I'll write like a 10 page Google Doc like explaining the process that we're going to be using for this project. (laughs) And I'm at least not that crazy. Uh -uh. But you get like really into it. So an example for me on, you know, things that I really have a hard time executing. It was Pinterest. So I wanted to get on Pinterest for the longest time. I had no interest. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to create the graphics. I definitely don't want to write the captions. I don't want to get on Tailwind. I don't want to check out Pinterest. So finally, I just accepted like this isn't happening until I hire someone. So I ended up hiring someone and they get it done. I was the same way with TikTok. So like you might be, maybe you've seen my reels on Instagram recently. Like I batch record those. It's like eight weeks at a time. And then my VA does like everything else. But beforehand, what I would do is I would take time to create like some kind of standard operating procedure of like, this is how I'm going to batch record all my TikToks and like edit them and post them. But it just like never happened. So really creating that system would have been a waste of time for me until I could outsource it. Well, and I I think that's kind of what we saw similarly in our business where when it was just Abby and I or Abby and I and like a VA who was very, very part time, we would sit and do like the multi-step process of what does it take to do a launch or a webinar or a sales page or whatever it might be. And it's like, like hundreds of little tasks for Abby and I to do. And it got like super, super granular. And then we would repeat the thing and not like rely on the list and not rely on the structure we'd created for ourselves. So how do you like not only create the SOP to use, but then have it built in in a way where you use it over and over again? Yes, exactly. So for me, it comes down to like the number of steps and how well you know yourself. So like my second point and like the second thing I think about is this concept of being a micro or a macro organizer. Is that a term that you've heard before? It's not, but it like instantly makes sense to me. And I think some people need more than others. Yeah, I got this idea, like this concept actually comes from this woman on YouTube. So I'll credit my sources. And her name is The Clutterbug. So she teaches people how to organize. And she has like little cute like bug names for each of the different categories, which I think is funny. I'm a ladybug. (laughs) Very into organizing. Of course you are. (laughs) I am a ladybug. But she splits people into like visual people and hidden people. So some people need to like see all their stuff. So if we're thinking about like a craft room, like Emily's craft room, like you're going to put everything in clear containers because you need to be able to see what you have. And some people need to have everything like hidden behind like doors. And then she says that there are people who are macro organizers and micro organizers. So I, I don't know, Emily, you could probably give us some specific examples with all of your supplies like. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm both like the things that are like, easy, like easily within my reach is like super, super organized and separated, like very individually, but like stuff in the closet that like is kind of organized, but I don't know if I'll get to it's just like, that's, that's good enough. I'll just toss everything in this one tote. Yes. Right. And I think I think it also this concept relates back to your personality type. So I, I likely think there's some like, undiagnosed things going on in my life because I am an out of sight, out of mind person, quite literally. Like in my fridge, if a bowl of fruit is behind a 
a container. <laughs> it is mold happening. So like, I, it had to get to why are fridges two feet deep? Like, I don't understand why. I just want like a ten inch shelf. Right. It has to be level That's and long. long. <laughs> I it had to get to the point where like I had to start labeling the front of food containers because I'm so short that if I can't see into it, I don't, I literally don't know what the fuck it is. So I'm not going to eat it. But I think I know this concept is obviously people, you're instantly going to know the kind of person you are. If you're like, oh, well, it always goes in this place and I don't want to look at it, then fine. But if you know you're the kind of person that like can't have out of sight, out of mind, then what are you going to do in your business to help you keep tabs on it. I know for me, a lot of it is reoccurring tasks. Like, and there's some stuff that I've gotten just good at knowing that I do something every Tuesday. And so I have a bad habit of just doing it, but I don't necessarily have it documented anywhere. But I, I promise you the stuff that I used to struggle with because it was out of sight. The moment I added a reoccurring task on my calendar, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, this isn't hard. Like, and it's so easy to accomplish. But like, if I didn't have something that would pop up and remind me and be a visual reminder, it literally wouldn't happen. Yes. So I'm very similar. When you mention you have maybe something undiagnosed going on, we're going to get to that in point number three, because I think it's a big thing for a lot of us as well. Oh, okay. I personally, I'm a macro organizer for sure, because what I've learned is if I have, you know, in my closet, I used to have a bunch of these different boxes to put, you know, like office supplies, all this different stuff in. And I've learned that the more boxes I have, the less likely I am to put things away because it's like too much for me to manage. I like to have big, like catch all open boxes that I can just touch. Oh, God. Right? Oh, God. No. She's like, no. My closet is not only organized by type, but also by color within each type and like short sleeve, long sleeve. But then if you go in my craft closet, you best believe every bin is only the thing that's in the label. Well, so same. It's just that I have broader categories. That's no, I believe you. I believe you. Like I have like clay in a box and you're like all craft and art supplies. <laughs> Giant yes. Ass yes. Box. But I only have like, I only get one box of craft supplies. Cause I also point number four could be minimalism, but we're not going to go there. It's like a personal solution that I discovered. So another thing that I learned from the clutter bug, I think her name is Cass. We'll call her Cass is she says, and I thought this was super helpful. Like she has people ask, well, what do you do if your spouse or someone that you lives with has a different organizing style? And this is relevant to business, I promise. And her suggestion, which I think is super smart is, well, who's primarily responsible for that area of the house? So for example, my husband basically is not allowed in our kitchen. Like if he wants something, I want him to like shout it to me so that he doesn't get in my way. Right. So like send him carrier. Yeah, like what do you want? Like what do you want? Send me a text. I'll bring it to you. So I'm responsible for the kitchen, right? If he does, you know, like all of the laundry, well, then we're gonna organize that based on his organizing style. And the like the analogy here is you can do the same thing in your business. So if you're the only person running your business. Let's organize everything based on your own preferences. 
But if you have team members, like maybe this project and your project management system, super, super detailed, super granular for your business partner. If you are more of a like broader organizer, then let's organize your projects differently. So you can split it up based on the seat. So this is what I do when I go in and see like all the different subtasks on our Pinterest board. Like it kind of gives me anxiety, but like I don't manage that. So it's not my problem. Right. No, and I think this is a perfect example of, and depending on the size of your business, you you may run into this quickly or not, but I there's absolutely members on our team that are big thinkers. And there's people on our team that like, if they don't see a small task, it's literally never going to happen. It gets forgotten. And so yeah. I know my husband is more of like, wants the broad picture, but definitely doesn't, and not that he doesn't need the details, but he'd rather like dive into something than log into a system and there's 75 things on his plate. Yeah, I would rather dive in. I just open up a fresh doc and just get started. Abby's like, okay, wait. <laughs> and it's not that you can't do like both, but you're going to have to accommodate whoever you're working with. So like there are rules and changes we've made like in the place we manage social media that are just different than what is required for the people producing our emails, just because they're different types of thinkers. Yeah. And for me, like I need the details, but I don't want to see all of the details like on a project board because that's overwhelming to me. So if I need to like create a new course, for example, my tasks are going to be outline course, create course, text, record course, upload course. It's like four times. <laughs> but then I might have for each of those steps, I might hyperlink to a Google Doc and the sure. Google Doc has like all of my notes and everything. So other people are going to have, and I've seen this, like an 83, like 83 subtasks. If I look at that, I'm going to be like, I'm, this is too much. I can't, I can't do it. Well, but the thing that's helpful for me and that I think this is an important skill to understand is like, I absolutely want to see the big picture. But sometimes if I look at and this is where I'm already thinking about certain things in our business, where I'm like, I need to go in and like edit this process a little bit. But like, for instance, if I just see a project, and it has like a date range of complete over the next week, if I don't have like a little thing to check off every day, I'm not going to get it done because I, I'm going to do that on the last day. Of I, that exactly. And so like, what was the point of having like a range of dates unless I'm assigning myself little things that I can accomplish in the meantime. So I think this is just noticing my own behavior that I need to like dive in. And even if it's not there for everybody else, like literally if it's just for me, like why don't I take this thing that I know is coming up and dive in a little bit and identify what are some small things I can get off my plate. So I'm chipping away at a project. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's kind of like applying behavioral psychology to like manipulate your own self. <laughs> yes. Like, what do I got to, well, what do yes. I got to do? Yeah. Well, and I know, I know for most business owners, the what do I got to do? And what do I got to do? It is like the major thing that gives them anxiety or they tend to, they might have a clear idea of what that looks like for their clients. But then the moment they start thinking about how am I going to grow my business, 
the all of that becomes like, well, I don't know what I need to do to grow my business or I could do a zillion things. But then like, how do you prioritize and actually like give yourself reasonable timelines to accomplish that? I think this is where having like a clear project management system is helpful. And we've used a variety over the years. But if you're a solopreneur, I hate that word. I need to stop saying it. Stop saying if it. you <laughs> are a business that's mostly run by just you, like I love our Trello for Business course as a starting out point. Even if you don't ultimately use all the psychology we've created in that program in Trello, like you could translate it into any project management system. But I think if you're just needing a base for like, how can I think about it? How can I plan out what I'm working on? That it can give you like a really clear roadmap to just get started. Because I think regardless of the kind of thinker you are, big or small, looking at a blank screen and being like, I need to map out everything I need to do for the quarter. If you don't have some kind of map to like start from, I think it can be really overwhelming. So if you want to check that out, you should head to trelloforbusiness.com. We are almost at like so close, like within weeks of being at 10,000 people who've gone through that program, which is crazy. Well, I'm happy to report that I'm one of those 10,000. So Trello for Business <laughs> was the first thing that got me started with project management. And I still, to this day, like a lot of my projects have changed, but the concept of the blueprint project is the one thing that I've really carried over. And my team like loves it because I'm super forgetful. I always forget to send them stuff. And I'm always like, go to the blueprint, like all the links you need are on there. It's been awesome. Go buy it, people. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'll do do a little bit. So, what is this? What is this <laughs> specific area that you talked about? Like, if you're a little bit different, or you feel like there's something undiagnosed going on, you like teased it earlier, and I want to yeah. know and yeah. talk about it. So, the, <laughs> the third thing I want people to consider is whether you might be neurodivergent. So, this is something I'm not at all an expert in. So, we're not going to get into the details. Like, I'm sure we probably know a lot of people who could come on and talk about that. But this is, Abby, something I've been recently exploring with the blow up of ADHD TikTok, been binge watching all of the videos. It's a lot. Yeah. And I have some like therapist friends who can't, you know, like formally diagnose me over Instagram messenger, unfortunately, but they were all like, Brayden, <laughs> I think it would be worth your time to go pay someone to get some help with this. So we're basically there. And what I found is that a lot of the solutions I've come up in, with in both my personal life and in my business have really been workarounds to my probable ADHD. So I think it's really helpful as these topics become more normalized that we talk about all of the time. We are learning that a lot of people are neurodivergent with you know different types of things going on. Think about how that impacts just the way your brain operates and how it might be different from other people, particularly people that we all learn from. So you might say, that system you're teaching is amazing, but how can I tweak it to make sense for me? Right. Yeah, I I definitely have been down that rabbit hole. And I think I think a lot like any psychological diagnosis out there, and I'll just put this as like a little asterisk for people. There's a trend where the these things go in and out of popularity and like overdiagnosing and underdiagnosing and like I'm not gonna pretend to be a doctor. I do think why not? <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> well, I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up, but I didn't do it anyway. But I do think if you at all feel like you're not fitting the mold that like 
regardless of a freaking diagnosis or not, what can you do to feel really empowered with the work you're producing and feel like it's in alignment with like where you're at? And I know Emily and I both have like periods in our business where I want to say there's like a level of hyper focus where we're, it, it might be on an area of our business or it might be on the whole business. Like, cause we've definitely had like right now, like, I know, right now <laughs> we're like working like crazy. But if you would ask me six months ago, I would, I would have, I wouldn't say creative burnout, but it was sort of like, I'm so over everything that I'm going to do the bare minimum to get by kind of thing. Anyway, I think that being said, what we've done well at is identifying where we're personally at so that we can accommodate the work to fit that rather than the other way around. Because I think so often people just are like, oh, well, I have a, I need to get this many people in the door. I need to do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, stop saying you need to do anything because you don't. What can you reasonably accomplish with like, the focus you currently have, the time and attention you have with your current level of interest and ability. And like, you're just going to go through ebbs and flows and that's okay. But what are you going to do with that information? I think some people just try to power through all of it and that's not healthy. And you're going to feel like shit if you keep doing that. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, when when I get into those funks, so I've had that I had that for like two to three months, like very recently. When I go through that period, what I've tried to start doing now is I ask myself, okay, if I only want to work three hours a day, what are the three? Like, what? Where can I spend these three hours to get the highest ROI in my business? And then when I go through periods of hyper focus, which is when I tend to create all of those really wacky doodle systems because I'm really excited about it, but then I don't consider that I'm not going to be able to maintain it. I ask myself. Is this a healthy and productive hyper focus? Is it something that I need to be doing in my business? And if the answer is no, then I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just go to the pool or I'll try to redirect this hyper focus somewhere else. So that's been my solution. Another thing I heard recently that I thought was really instructive is it was it was a woman on TikTok and she was talking about she's basically talking about people who are saying that people are overdiagnosing ADHD now. And I thought her response was really great. And she was like, well, you know what? If you watch these videos and you think that maybe you have ADHD, but then later on you go and you get a diagnosis and you find out you don't, was any harm done? No, you probably actually learned a lot of useful tips along the way. And either way, that's going to be really great for you. So that's how I'm looking at it. Like regardless of what a doctor tells me, I'm learning a lot. Exactly. And I've had these conversations with our friend Courtney Shaw, who's talked openly about ADHD and entrepreneurship on her Instagram. And I love that content. Her and I have talked a lot recently because I'm pretty sure she got an actual diagnosis. But like of the conversation of feeling like you're on the spectrum, where like 90% of the things feel like they apply, but like some of the things you're like, oh, I've never done that or never thought that. And I think we're also in this like space of like, well, if you don't struggle with absolutely everything about that thing, then you don't have it and it doesn't count. And I just want to like encourage listeners who like, even if you feel a little bit of it some days, then it's okay to still structure your stuff around working better for you. Oh, no, for sure. I wish that we listened more to what our bodies were telling us and what how we're feeling about things. And and obviously, I get passionate about this and say it all the time. But I, I just think it's such an important piece of the puzzle. And to your point, we're like, are you spending too much time and attention on certain things? Maybe. I'd also like ask yourself, 
is there something about like what about the thing is bothering you to the point where you are focusing so heavily on it like can you identify something that's deeper about it or or like the actual issue or the actual I don't want to say root cause because sometimes it's related to a problem but sometimes it's not sometimes it's just like a feeling like I feel like I'm not focused when I sit down for work. I feel like I'm all over the place. Okay, well, that's a feeling. Why are you feeling that way? Is it because your projects aren't mapped out and you don't have a clear idea on deadlines? Or is it because you're worried about your mom who's sick? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you have to really identify what's causing the disruption, I guess. And learning to respect where you're at is a skill that takes time yes agreed that was a good that was a good pep talk abby so, i feel like i need i feel like I'm i sorry. personally needed that <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> you're, yeah. now that we all feel better about ourselves yeah. how do systems sops processes understanding your organization of what the french shows you're supposed to be working on every day how does that actually rate relate to your expertise in the legal arena of our business yes okay awesome segue so the way this relates is what happens is I think a lot of people think that they need really, really complex systems, especially when it comes to bookkeeping and receipt tracking and cash flow. And, you know, I'm probably guilty of this myself. You come to some of my webinars, you come to some of my talks, I talk about this very robust system that I have, but it's like everything else, you have to work your way into it. So what I like to think about is what do I absolutely need to do for compliance what is like every finance professional going to tell me that I must do? And like, do I really need to do that? So if we're going to talk about some topics, we could start with what's a simple way to know about due dates. So this is kind of a simple solution to stay on top of licenses. So Abby, I know I talk to like Jared about this kind of stuff all the time. He's like really into it. Sometimes I wonder, does he, I wonder, does he hyper-focus on the accounting side of your business? He have focused on the financial side of our life, which is nice. why he is into this. But okay. Well, that I would think is a really, really healthy hyper focus. So I support that. But one of the areas. Don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> one of the simple solutions that I have for my students is I tell them to create something called a compliance calendar. And everyone can do this, especially if you're like me and you're extremely forgetful. I just had a police car behind me yesterday, and that's what reminded me that my registration expires in one week. I'll, probably I'll still forget to do it, but it's I need to put it on my calendar. But to avoid these things with like our LLCs and our business licenses and our tax returns, I have my students create a compliance calendar. And all it is, is it's like we print out a yearly calendar, just 12 pages, one for each month, and we write down our, all of our due dates on it. So it might say you know, April 15th, tax return due, July 18th, business license renewal due. And they fold it in half, they stick it in the front of their paper planner if they have that. If they use Asana or anything else, they just create that as a project. And so whatever your calendaring system is, if you do your tasks a month at a time, a week at a time, just one of your action items is to look at that calendar before you schedule your tasks for that week. So Simple, super, super simple solution for that. Another area where we can think about simplification is cash flow. So this is something I've been grappling with a lot, kind of personally and also through my teaching style. So I'd be curious to get the feedback from both of you. 
But as you know, I follow kind of my own method of profit first. And I think there are uh, strengths with this program. I think there are weaknesses with it. And sometimes I ask myself is, do all these extra accounts create more complexity that are harder to manage for some people? Or does it create simpler systems? And again, I think that comes down to personality. For me, I thought it was a little overwhelming when I started it. But now that I have the hang of it, it's actually simplified my finances quite a bit. So yeah, I think that's really a personal preference for sure. We don't follow profit first, but we do definitely spend time assessing our profit and loss statement every month. And I think that empowers us to make decisions. And then I'm very clear on our budget items and like what it takes to run our team. I know exactly how many dollars our business needs to bring in for us to hit break even. And spoiler alert, it's a lot more than I like. (laughs) When we got to the point where just running the business per month was more than my first salary, I had a mini heart attack, but we, we have I am I have come to be more comfortable with much larger numbers, which is also really fun because when you get to that point, you don't feel as intimidated to make more money, but that's a whole other subject. When you sit down to look at your P&L every month, like I think that requires a certain amount of discipline. So is that something that you've always had or did you have to like grow into that in the business? So it's not something we did initially at all. It didn't happen until we hired a bookkeeper and then The only reason it happened then is (laughs) we really liked our bookkeeper and part of their process was that the process of working him with him rather was that we had a monthly on the calendar meeting with him to review. And we did that for, I want to say at least two years with him where we met every single month and we would discuss all, all of the things that all of the components of it and Over time, we developed kind of, I wouldn't say personal preferences, because a lot of these are like industry standard kind of things. But like we have goals for what certain areas of our business can take up in terms of percentage of revenue. And when we're over that, we're assessing, do we need to make more money or do we need to make cuts? Um, And I'm doing that on a monthly basis. I think Emily's really only involved in that process when... We need to make major changes to it. But a thing that helped us continue after we stopped meeting with him, and the only reason we did is because he structured his business differently. And it got to the point where I kid you not, because we had created such discipline around it, I knew exactly what he was going to say about every line item. I could have run the meeting for him. like, But he taught me so much about how to really look at our finances. But I think the discipline that we have now is I have personal to-dos at the beginning of every month that help me look back. But I also have weekly to-dos to keep tabs on cash flow. And then to help loop Emily in, we actually record a profit report once a month. And before and after that is our, per. I mean, not only do we talk about it on the show, the majority of the conversation is recorded, guys, but there is occasionally like a couple things Emily and I will need to address privately. And we, we just make time right before or after that show. And so it's like a dedicated time on our calendar to address it. Because what I found yeah. was like, I didn't like 
I stopped going to the bookkeeping meetings because I learned so much and they started to be repetitive and they were the same. And if I get too much in the weeds with numbers that like prohibits my visionary abilities to like come from a place of what actually feels good instead of, Oh shit, I feel like we need to make money because we don't have enough money. And so I realized where my headspace had to be removed from some of the conversations, but I still need to be in the loop and I still need to know. And so the rhythm we've kind of gotten to now is I'm trusting in Abby that like stuff is being paid attention to and that those are part of her responsibilities, but I'm getting the high level like, okay, if we are going into a launch or here are the goals or here's what the company needs. And let's think about this from more of like a marketing launching promotional like stance, which I feel like works really well, right? Yeah. And it's just different. Like, cause, and I even have daily things that I do, but like that is a role that I grew into and it kind of because it had to, you know, like our business got big enough that without someone like sitting in a more formal CFO seat, like we were going to make decisions blindly. And that was, we did. (laughs) And it hurt our business. And so I had to learn everything I felt like I was missing and needed to know. And now I wouldn't say I'm a finance expert by any means, but I could definitely sit in a room with a CEO of other companies and like have an educated conversation. Yeah. And talk about the numbers and I could walk into shark tank and talk about my (laughs) shit and know what the fuck I'm talking about. Cause you know, you know, when those sharks get on them, like, how do you not know what your average customer value is? And how do you not know what, and some of it was literally watching shark tank as business homework for myself to continue to learn. Like, what are the kinds of questions Someone else might ask me so I can continue to be more knowledgeable about my own business. What I've kind of found is I think that the beauty of a system like Profit First is that it gives you baked in discipline. And this is what I found for myself is that I'm not very disciplined. So the idea of having a bank account where all my business expenses come out of that bank account well, guess what? If a payment doesn't clear that month, then uh, we're not using that service that month. That's just the way that it works. And that's how I manage to continue to pay myself like a uh, same amount every single month. And I think that that system works really well for people who are under six figure business owners, because, you know, especially when you have variable income, when you get to a, like a different point in business where you have more income, it's like, all right, well, our line item for this is more than it should be this month. Let's try to cut it back. We don't have to stress out as much about making your payroll and your salary, that kind of stuff. Because we have, we have systems. We, I mean, we know what it takes to make payroll. We know what it takes to like make our, I want to call it base pay, but that sounds weird. But then, then there's like a goal number, you know? And so like we have these thresholds where we're aware of like what that does in our business, but absolutely starting out like if you were to actually look in my other business, it is so basic. <laughs> so basic. <laughs> like I have a spread. I don't even have an accounting system. Like it's so basic. I still have a Google sheet and it's okay. Cause I still categorize things and I'm still, I've started to create kind of mini, like when I have more stuff going on, it's pretty slow right now because I've I'm hyper-focused on boss project, but like when it's busier, I will create kind of my own P&L report so that I can kind of see where stuff is going. But that's just something that I've come to be accustomed to because of the work I do here. And it's probably not something I would 
it's necessary when you only have like five expenses. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, usually a lot simpler. That's actually like the perfect, the perfect like transition into my last point, which actually is bookkeeping. And what I tend to teach is I think there's three levels of bookkeeping. So there's the spreadsheet level, which is what you're talking about using a Google sheet. And then there's the soft, I call the next level, the software level. So QuickBooks, Wave, whatever. And then the next level would be hiring a bookkeeper. So I'm assuming in Boss Project, you still have a bookkeeper, right? Yeah. So we, for we you, still use QuickBooks, but yes. Yeah. But. For you, like in, for both of you, in your non-Boss Project businesses, are you planning on just doing a spreadsheet until you're ready to hire a bookkeeper? Or are you going to transition into software on your own at some point? I was using a spreadsheet. I was about to transfer to a software, but then we actually hired a tax strategist for Boss Project. And part of that was they were also taking over our, my, like my personal accounting. And so then part of that was we want to do your books for your side business. And I was like, great, goodbye, yeah. I'm done. So I went straight from I'm doing it to a spreadsheet by myself to hiring it. But out. because I have a higher interest in and my husband is even more like financially. I mean, you think I'm crazy with numbers. That dude is like. He's very into it. into it. He's into it. So I think because of that, I would probably look at a middle ground. And the only reason I say that is I have a tendency. It's again, it goes back to the out of sight, out of mind. If I've created discipline around looking at a PL, but in our in my small business, if I I'm so busy with boss project stuff, I feel like if I hired an accountant for that business, I literally would have no idea what income I'm bringing in and yeah. what's going out the if door because it doesn't, I don't have the discipline around looking at it in that area of my business. So I would probably want well, to I'm upgrade. getting monthly reports. Well, so that's great. That would be helpful. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I don't know. Is the Emily, for you, before you hired someone, how did you manage all of your inventory or did you? Because for, for a product business, well, that's, I didn't, oh. I, I didn't really manage inventory. It's not, I just like, I make it and then I sell it. If there's some stuff left, like whatever, but mine is specifically just for expenses and then revenue. And so there were like recurring stuff on there, but, but you're not necessarily was, it, holding like. You're not necessarily no. like purchasing a bunch of product and then you have to manage inventory coming in no. and out kind of thing. No, I purchase supplies and then I make the product. And so it's a little bit different, but I did have Abby's help in making that spreadsheet initially. <laughs> I was like, can you make me like a baby P&L, like little kind of expenses spreadsheet? So she like plugged in some formulas, <laughs> like organize the thing. Well, Emily, Emily, you uh -huh. also have this beautiful business where you buy the supplies, the cost of goods for your product. And then you literally sell everything, don't you? So you don't really have to, you don't really have to think about what's still sitting on the shelf. But to kind of like start to put a bow on this topic, what I found is that I work with a lot of new business owners who they're told day one, they need to get QuickBooks. So they get QuickBooks. Well, QuickBooks is not, it's not that easy to figure out. I literally just set up my QuickBooks account last weekend. And as a tax attorney, I'm still watching a lot of YouTube tutorials on how to do it. And I don't want to scare people away from the software. But the, the point I want to make is if you're going to use a solution like that, you have to actually learn it. Because if you don't learn it, you're going to create a big, big mess. And then guess what you're going to have to do during tax season? You're going to have to go back 12 full months and put everything on a spreadsheet. I've seen it over and over again. So from my perspective, I've actually found that 
complex cash flow systems are actually worth the effort to set up for a lot of newer business owners. Complex bookkeeping systems, oftentimes, not so much. Unless you do hyper-focus on it, you get really interested in it, you find out you like it, awesome, go for it. But meanwhile, just think about what can I keep simple and how is this going to work for me? Yeah, I know on the spreadsheet side, the main things I looked at was like the date, the actual like where did I buy it from? The what was it for? So I have a record of what it was about. And then I do assign it a category and I assign those categories based on tax. So like there's certain things that are taxed at different rates or like are completely something I can write off as a full 100% expense. And so you'll have to like learn that over time. But like if it was a, a meal with a client, that's different. And COVID has also added some complication to that because it doesn't necessarily qualify. But if you go ahead and add the uh, sub the category, when you're just putting the line items in, even if you don't do a lot of organization other than just literally documenting receipts, it's going to make it so fast at tax time because then you can just like bulk sort by type and plug those numbers into your tax software. Or if you hired a tax person, they can do it for you. Do you have a bookkeeping uh, spreadsheet template in your in the creative template shop? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, we definitely could at some point. I don't know. We'd have to gauge how, how much members are actually interested in that. I mean, sounds like something that's right up your alley, Abby. Between now and then, I do have a template that people can grab if they want it. But you can also, if you're savvy with spreadsheets, people can create their own. What I recommend that people do is if you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, go Google IRS form schedule C. You'll see there's 20 some lines of expenses. Make those your columns in your spreadsheet. Because what you're going to do then is those are your categories. Everything goes in those categories. And then if you self-file your your return or if you hire an accountant, everything's already going to be organized the same place you're going to put it in your tax return. So this was a conversation I had with one of my accountant friends yesterday. We talked about as a tax attorney, I always come from things from a tax compliance perspective. What do we have to do to get our tax return done? A lot of bookkeepers and accountants do it more from a financial analysis perspective. So they'll tell you that you have to do things. But from my perspective, you don't legally have to do things. They're really just telling you this is a really good business idea. But sometimes sure. from my perspective, we can. Yeah, because like technically, guys, this sounds batshit. But you could literally put all your income in one column. Like, like yeah. you don't have to categorize it by product. The tax man does not care. But like, <laughs> you, you care. For your yeah, knowledge. you care that mm-hmm. you sold X amount of certain product and you want that information. So you best be separating it out. That's actually something I talked to my friend about yesterday because I'm trying to get everything set up in QuickBooks. But what it does is it pulls a day's worth of income from Stripe. So I'll have like 15 transactions lap lumped into like a $1,500 payment. And I was like, how do I separate this? And she went on like a half. Brayden, you need to hire someone. I'm sorry. Well, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) no, no, no. So she explained to me how to do it. And I was like, okay, I get that. That's really time consuming. But I was like, for tax purposes, I can lump all my income into one column. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is what I'm doing in QuickBooks. 
And I was like, in Kajabi, I can pull my reports for income by category. So I have all the financial information that I need. I'm not going to overcomplicate my bookkeeping until I do outsource that. Okay. All right. I give you that. Now, the only thing I will just put like a note and asterisk, and then we're going to wrap this whole thing up. Okay. But I, I will tell you as a warning, if you are someone who actually really cares about it being completely accurate, Stripe and like the actual dollars that come in usually don't match your whatever your report is from wherever is managing your because the bank processing fees. Well, the bank, but also just like dates and like there's a I can't remember the name of the category in our PL, but there's basically an overage category where we have dollars that we can't necessarily trace back to like a certain product on the back end, which sounds bananas, like literally, how is the possible? But it is, trust me, when you get to a business of a certain size, you're going to have income that you're not entirely sure where it came from, or potentially in the other direction and expense that you're like, wait, what? So we, I would say, when you get over maybe like 250,000, I would work with a bookkeeper that can separate in QuickBooks because you will be surprised at the discrepancy between your actual dollars that came in and whatever your fancy like dashboard view is somewhere else. Yeah. Luckily, a lot of your people and a lot of my people are not going to need to worry about this. I I work with a lot of like a lot of photographers, wedding planners, graphic designers where their income is like three, $3,000 deposits in a month. Right, 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 right. It's super simplified. We're, I mean, we have hundreds of transactions a week. So like, it's just not, it's a much bigger volume. Anyway, thank you so much. I know this wasn't like a traditional Braden Drake episode about legal and tax and all that stuff. And we definitely touched more on what it feels like to be an entrepreneur, but I'd love to hear just from your perspective Three to five action steps if someone's feeling a bit overwhelmed with their systems across the board and maybe specifically on the tax and accounting side. What are the couple things you'd get started on to help them create a system that's in alignment with them? Yeah. So first thing I want people to do is to go create that compliance calendar. So if you have a folder somewhere on your computer with all the the formal legal documents you filled out. Go look at those and see if you can figure out if any of them require renewal dates. Google it if you need to. Put it on a calendar so you have it handy. Um, also, look into how you're running your cash flow. Do you have a simple system to save taxes? If not, let's start there. I have a lot of, a lot of resources. And then lastly, look at your bookkeeping and receipt tracking systems and ask yourself, is the system I've created one that I'm actually maintaining? And if not, ask yourself, do I need a little bit more discipline or do I need a simpler system? That's what I would tell people. Awesome. I love that. Well, drop your links. Where can people hang out with you online or grab your, would you say you had a free spreadsheet or a spreadsheet to send to people? Where can they go grab that? Yes. So follow me on Instagram at Braden Adam Drake. Uh, You both know that I'm on there all the time. We can chat. And then like, yep, that checks out. And then all of my resources are on my website, bradendrake.com. I have a lot of mini courses, a lot of freebies, lots of blog posts, podcasts, all the things. Well, Brayden, thank you so much for being here today. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. 
with thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.